Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Well, good morning. It is uh, good to see you, and it's such a pleasure for me to uh, share the word with you this morning. I had a great time last night meeting many of you, and just our time of worship was indeed sweet. Um, I feel like I've been served so much more <laughs> by being here with you uh, than the other way around. And I feel like my conversations, times with Pastor Dave, um, lots of dessert, I feel like I've gained weight. <laughs> but as well, um, I just spending time with you has been such a blessing. So, Thank you for being here this morning, and for those of you who are joining us online, uh, thank you for participating in worship as you are uh, worshiping from home. And so uh, with that, uh, if you could turn your Bibles to the book of Romans, and uh, I really wrestled with uh, this morning's message in that uh, I just really wanted to leave you with a, a word that would be an encouragement to you, but at the end, also a challenge to you as the church is gathering together. Um, many of you are coming together in person, and what a place to gather. If you're going to gather, you got to go all out, and this is the place to be. And I see the hockey boards here. Uh, some of you who were here last night know what I'm talking about. I, I'm a really, like, I was already excited, but I'm really excited. <laughs> it's like uh, I feel really uh, energized. I want to hit somebody now. Uh, in a good way, in the spirit, right? And so, um, but uh, Romans 8 is a great uh, passage for us to consider this morning because it contains a lot of promises that we can really hold on to, especially in this time of the pandemic that we are experiencing. And I think because we have spiritual amnesia oftentimes, maybe because we are so forgetful, um, and especially maybe during the season of COVID that a lot of things you just kind of forgot about. And instead of living out our faith out in the world, being the light, being the salt, uh, we, instead of thinking of other people and the church, we become more about self-preservation, right? And we've thought about ourselves and, and, and maybe you just stopped doing the things that God has uh, called you to do and you just forgot. And, and it's important for us to remember what is in God's word and the promises in God's word. And so Romans 8, 28 through 39 is one of my favorite passages in the Word. And I want to read it for us this morning. This is God's Word for us this morning. This is God's Word. And the Word of God says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall, separate, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress 
or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a very powerful, and it might be a very familiar passage for you if you've been in the church for a while. This is a passage that a lot of people uh, go to and are encouraged by. And I think it's giving us a couple of, I mean, you can spend a lot of time in this passage and, and you can extrapolate a couple of messages as a preacher. I look at several things, and, but there are some things that I really want us to consider. And I think it's giving us promises. We talked about patience. We're talking about promises today. Promises that we need to hold on to that God has given to us. We live in a culture not, not, that's not just even encourages impatience. But we live in a culture that doesn't believe in promises a lot, I believe. <laughs> politicians, we just had a very intense election year, right? And so politicians base their whole campaign a lot of times on false promises, right? There is even the pop culture that even says, I don't believe in promises anymore. And many of our lives, we, our lives are littered and broken by promises that were not kept marriages, or maybe a friend made a promise that, and you felt the sting of that and you, that promise never materialized or realized. But I, and I was listening to a song that my daughter was listening to and we were in the car and she likes to control the, the music box, the radio, whatever you call it now. And so she was you know, controlling it. And I was like, okay, I'll just listen to whatever you, I want to listen to my stuff. But she says, let me listen to it, daddy. And so she was listening to the song and it's a song by Demi Lovato. And I don't know if you even know this artist. And, and she sings this song called No Promises. And, and the, the lyrics go something like this. Cut me like a knife, and I feel it deep in my bones. Kicking it high, but I love even harder. You want to know? I just want to dive in the water with you, baby. We can't see the bottom. It's so easy to fall for each other. I'm just hoping we catch one another. And the chorus goes like this. Oh, na na, just be careful, na na. I think it's actually more like a harmony thing, melodic thing. Love ain't simple, Nana. Promise me no promises. Oh, Nana, just be careful, Nana. Love ain't simple, Nana. Promise me no promise. I can go on, but I think you get the point. But I asked my daughter, Tabitha, I said, Tabs, like, what the heck is this song about? And she goes, Daddy, let me flesh it out for you. Let me tell you what this song is all about. And she said, pretty much, this artist is singing about, don't even go there. And I was like, go where? You know, we're going home. Right? It's like, don't even go there. Don't make promises because you ain't going to keep them. And I thought that was interesting because I was like, you know, this is a song that people are singing about. And this is something that I think that we can relate to because we all have, again, experienced the sting of a broken promise. I have a dad, and I was thinking about my dad, and my dad was a typical Asian-American father who was very unemotional. It wasn't until I was 26 when I was graduating from uh, seminary where my dad actually for the first time um, like shared with me that he loved me. And so one of the things that I realized, my dad was not a perfect father, not in any way. 
But one of the things that I do realize that I find something that is really respectable and admirable is that he always kept his word. He kept his promises. And so whenever he said, I promise, and he would do the pinky promise, you know, the pinky promise, for the life of me, I could not remember what he failed to, you know, meet those promises. I, have, I had to call my sister, Olivia, in Florida. I said, you know, Olive, do you remember dad, like, did he ever not keep his promise? She's like, for the life of me, I don't remember. He always kept his promises. And so I remember, like, my dad, um, even though he wasn't perfect, he always kept his word. And so um, he would always, I'd say, Dad, come to my baseball game because he couldn't. You know, some of you, maybe you are a PK. A lot of my friends are pastor's kids. Uh, maybe you know a friend who is a, an MK missionary's kid. I'm a DK, a dry cleaner's kid. And my dad, as a blue-collar dry cleaner's owner, I mean, he worked hard. And he could never, like, come to any of my um, sporting events. But this one year, I made the all-star game, and, and Dad, you got to come. you got to come. You've never come to any of my games. And then I badgered him to a point where he said, okay, I'll come. And he did a pinky promise. And sure enough, out of all the games, he came to that one game, and he kept his word. And that's, that's been sort of the um, consistency that I saw in my father. And now as a father myself, I want to do that. I want to be a man of my word. I want to keep promises. And when I think about that, like my dad, I want you to know that God is a promise maker and he's faithful in keeping all of his uh, promises. He's faithful because promises are important to God. He gives us covenants. Even at the marriage altar, you're not making a promise. It's not just you declaring your love right now in the present moment. Of course you love each other. But in those covenant vows that you're making, you're saying, I promise to love you in the future. No matter what, sickness and death, whatever happens in health and sickness, whatever comes our way, I will be faithful and I will love you. It's a future-oriented promise of love that you are declaring in the, in the presence of family and friends and before the Lord. And it's, so it's important for us to remember that. The Bible, which is His perfect word, has many wonderful promises. And within this passage, we find one of the greatest promises ever. It says in Romans uh, 8.28, For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Well, why is these promises even given in the first place? Well, there are things that are against us as a people of God. Why would Paul write this? There's a great question, isn't there, in verse 31. And it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? What's the answer to that question? Because without a doubt, although the point being that God is powerful and that he gives us victory over our enemies, yes, he does. There are definitive things, though, that are against us. In verse 35, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. I mean, it's not just those times, but I think we can experience that even now. The culture is shifting. A lot of things are changing really fast in our day. It is hard to be a Bible-believing Christian in our culture, in our society. Verse 36, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So the church is being slaughtered and killed. And I assume that those who are doing the killing and the, and the slaughtering are against us. Who is against us? The devil, spiritual forces, the sinful flesh fights and battles against the Holy Spirit's work within us. 
We are at opposite ends with the world, with the age of this world. People hurt us. Things stumble us. Circumstances and situations we experience setbacks and discouragement. Pandemic, COVID-19. Oh my goodness. There's a lot that's coming at the whole world, yes, but specifically to the people of God. So we experience trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and the sword, as it says here, and we are being attacked from all different directions. We are being slaughtered because oftentimes being in the family of God, being in the name of Christ, being a Christian can lead to a very difficult life. And because we're being attacked in a different way, we live in a very challenging time as Christians in North America. The media, the comfort, money, careers, all of these things which are not bad in and of themselves, right? But oftentimes become idolatry in our lives. We are bombarded from all different directions, being attacked spiritually, constantly. And so our passage reminds us, though, in the face of all of these difficulties and challenges that we face, we face and we acknowledge that our heavenly father gives us some promises to encourage and to strengthen us Demi Lovato says promise me no promises because you ain't going to keep them promises are of no use but there's another song out there that we can sing which goes like this we are building our lives on the promises of God because his word is unbreakable our hope is unshakable we don't stand on the problems or difficulties of life, or the pain in life, we stand on the great and precious promises of God. I want to look at three quick promises, really simply and quickly, that is revealed here in Romans 8. Number one, it's all good. (laughs) It's very simple. It is all good. Romans 28 again, all things God works for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. God promises, friends, that all things, and all means all. When you look at the word, it's it's all. There's no translation that says only the good things, only the happy moments, but all means all, everything, all the good things, and yes, even all the bad things, God will work for the good of those who love him. And so that speaks to this, like that all of our trials and all of our setbacks, all the things that have gone wrong in our lives, and you must think, oh my God, goodness oh we wonder god what possible good can you bring out of this situation and the promise though here is that god will somehow flip it and use it for our benefit for our blessing and i look around though in the world there's so much pain so much brokenness and even in the lives of the people that i minister to maybe perhaps even in this church at harvest maybe there's divorce or cancer and there's sickness trials and we talked about this loss of jobs suffering headache heartache the world is full of tragedy and trauma and even in my own life if i can be more vulnerable here i wonder when the things happened that were so tough for me to swallow i think about why would god allow this or that to happen in my life but I, but I realize, again, I'm not God, and I don't know his sovereign ways. I don't know everything, but he does. But all I know is that when everything is said and done, when I look back, I'll be able to say that God has done all things well, and I'm going to be able to praise him and worship him. 
Let me give you a couple of examples just as I look in Scripture. I think about uh, Joseph in the Bible. In Genesis 4, uh, 45, verses 4 and 5, Joseph, if you know his story, I mean, if you think you have bad siblings, Joe, uh, Joe had a really bad uh, group of brothers that were just, man, they were the meanest brothers ever. They sold him off to slavery. And if you know his story in the Old Testament, eventually he was uh, accused of a crime that he didn't commit. And then uh, those that promised him would help him forgot about it. And then, but through all of that, years after all of that, he found himself second in command in all of Egypt. And then there's a moment where his brothers come because they're starving and they come for uh, salvation, for food. And, and Joseph recognizes them and he's ready to confront them. He says, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And then in Genesis 50, verse 20, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, God was working in spite of all the trials. You think about Job, he lost his, we talked about him last night, he lost his Health, he lost his wealth, he lost everything, he lost it all. And at the end of Job, chapter 42, verses 1 through 5, Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things, no plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I, that I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And I would say to you that there is a difference from, you know, just hearing about somebody from now seeing somebody. And seeing is to know, and it's a difference. Before, I had heard about who this girl was, but now after I've seen her, I've, I've got to know her, it's a different story. And that's the story when, you know, when I was dating my wife, Virginia, some of you might know her, and, and she was stalking me on something called Zenga.com. And I had this thing where I could see who was stalking. She was stalking me, I know. But I was doing the same thing. And all these people were trying to set me up with her. Uh, like three different people were saying, you got to know the, meet this girl, Virginia. Justin, you're like perfect for her and things like that. And so, and, and I would keep hearing a lot of things about her. And then the day came when we finally met. And lo and behold, it was different. It's different. And then I got to know her, and it's just... And, and same thing for many of you. You know a lot of things about God. You know a lot of information in your head about who God is. You've been coming to church. You've been coming to Harvest for 5, 10, 15 years. You know a lot of things about God. But there's a difference from hearing about God, from really seeing and knowing God, with seeing God with the eyes of your heart. And for that knowledge in your head to travel eight inches from your brain to your heart and experiencing and seeing and loving God and, and seeing all of his glory. And there's a big difference. And Job somehow experienced it before. He just kind of knew and heard about God. But through all of the things that he went through, he was questioning. He said, you know, God, who am I? Uh, you know, who am I that you would do this to me? And then God, you know, confronted Job. Are you, did you put the stars in the sky? Did you put the, the waves in the ocean? Do you know who I am? And at the end of the day, Job said, my eyes have, my ears have heard of you, but now, my, now my eyes have seen you. And there's a difference. Isn't it not true that sometimes when you look back in your life, 
It's through the hardships, it's the valleys, it's the storms that come into your lives that those were the moments where you really grew the most. By God's grace, you clung to the cross, you ran to community instead of running away, and, and you prayed. Sometimes you're so desperate, you're so hurting, you have no one else to turn to but God. You are so de- you, gotta hit, you hit rock bottom to realize sometimes that's the only way for you to experience desperately, urgently, who God is. I think about Apostle Paul. He wanted to go desperately to the city of Rome as an evangelist, as a pastor, but instead he went to Rome as a prisoner. Philippians 1 speaks about this. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And so Paul wanted to go as an evangelist, as a missionary. He still was, but he, he went in a way that, that, was, that, he, that was unexpected. He was in chains, house arrest. And he was preaching, though. That's who he is. He's a preacher, and the palace guards would be transformed. Church history, church history tells us as the Roman Empire began to expand, the gospel would go with those soldiers who were converted. And so the gospel, even through that unfortunate circumstance in the eyes of the world, became the means by which God spread the gospel. Persecution, we know, is the means by which sometimes God expands his kingdom. And I think about Jesus, our greatest example. What seemed like a loss turned out to be our greatest victory, the cross of Christ. If I was a follower, if I was a disciple of one of his, and I've given my career, my life to follow him for three years, hear all of his teaching, and I keep thinking, he, this is the one. This is the God that's going to revolution. He's going to free us from Roman rule. But Jesus had a different uh, freedom in mind. And if I saw him on the cross dying, I would have thought to myself, what good? can come out of this. But what is foolishness to man has become our wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And again, even in my own life, I often wonder, what good can God bring out of this situation? Broken relationships in my life, dating relationships, church hurting me as a pastor. I mean, I can go on to the times of broken, and you can as well. And the church is a gathering of not the perfection of God's people, the brokenness of God's people. That's what makes us a church. And healing comes when we are together speaking words of truth, reminding one another of the promises of God, the fruit of the Spirit like patience, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things are born not in isolation, not when you're in quarantine, but when you are together and when you're rubbing with each other, maybe the wrong way, and you say, you are my heavenly sandpaper because you are shaping me, not the way I want to be, but you are shaping me and you are sanctifying me. Gosh, it sucks, but I need you in my life. And as you're doing life with one another in community, that's how fruit and character is born. I love what Tim Keller, who's a pastor and preacher and writer, and, uh, says. He says, God hates evil and suffering and has a plan that would defeat it, but we can hardly see any of the plan. It is hidden too deeply for us to see much of it all. The people around Jesus' cross also shook their heads and said, 
I don't see how God can bring anything good out of this. But listen, every setback is just a setup for a great comeback. And God will work and redeem. His promise is that all things will work. Whatever you're going through even now, friends, even now, maybe you are in a tough season. Somehow, the promise, the promise, the vow is that God says, I'm with you. He's Emmanuel. God is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the promise too as well. And he says, I will work in this. I will work through this. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23, he doesn't leave. He's the one that's leading us through it. He will be with us even in that valley. Let me move on to the second promise. It's, it's not just it's all good, but it's forever ours. It is all ours. And I love this promise because it's, it's talking about how the good things that we have right now in Christ can never be taken away from us. I think one of the best ways for us to be thankful and to be grateful is not to look at the things that we don't have, but to look at the things that we do have. And the best way to do that is to think about what we do have in Christ. I'm not just talking about material earthly goods. Like I'm so thankful for the roof over our our home and I'm so thankful for uh, the, the clothes that we have. And, you know, you should be thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the car that I, I drive. It might not be a, a Bugatti or a Maserati, you know, or, but I'm so thankful for my uh, Hyundai. I love it, you know. And, and so, and, and, but when I start thinking about what I don't have, man, that's when, you know, greed and pride and entitlement and, and all these things begin to seep into your soul. And, but then it can even be further where you, you can really battle against that type of uh, mentality by looking at the things that God has already given to you in Christ because the things of this world you can't, sorry, I'm not British. You can't, you, you, can't, you can't hold on to them forever, right? But the things in Christ is talking about how all the good things we have right now in Christ can never be taken away from us. That's what it's, it's forever ours. God gave us his son. God gave us his love. And I think sometimes we play this game that we played maybe as kids. Oh, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me not. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me not. And then, you know, you play that game, and we are so insecure regarding God's love for us. He loves me, he loves me not. But the thing is that we don't need to ever doubt God's love for you. The evidence of his love is the gospel, is the cross, even it's the church. And God loves me, I believe that, not only because my mama told me, but because the Bible says, and it says it in so many different ways. And the most profound statement that Karl Barth uh, was asked was, he said, what is the most profound statement? What's the most profound thing that, that you know? And Karl Barth said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And this love, it's talking about here in Romans 8, can never, ever be taken away. This love can never be taken away. It is forever ours. No one and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Verse 30 says that. For those whom he predestined, he also called Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. I mean, those are big words. Those are like, you know, calling, justification, glorification, all of these things. It's just talking about all the benefits that we have received and we will receive in glory. Good things, meaningful things, significant things, our election, justification, 
faith, salvation, glorification, life eternal, heaven, our incredible relationship with Christ, all things that God has given to us can never be taken away from us. And then verses 37, 38, 39, I love this part. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, height, death, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. And I want you to know that in Christ, the good things we receive cannot be taken away from us. In Christ, the good things we see here that we have received and we will inherit is eternally secure. It is forever ours. But here's the thing. In the world, you can lose a lot of things, right? Let's be real. My younger sister, Olivia, and I think Pastor Dave has met my younger sister. She's married to a pastor in Florida as well and married my best friend. And, uh, but when she was younger, she would often lose a lot of things. And, you know, she would always lose her lunch money. So she would find me in the upperclassmen hallway into my locker. And she would say, big brother, big brother, um, you know, I lost my lunch money. And I would say, again? It's like second time in a week. And so I would give her some of my money and I'll shoo her away because I didn't want to look uncool with my younger sister as a, you know. And so, and then I would go home and sometimes I stayed after school for extracurricular activities or sporting uh, practices, I would go home, and my sister oftentimes, I kid you not, was waiting for me on the porch because she lost her keys to the house. And my dad, I remember growing up, he was so uh, frustrated because he would, he just couldn't understand why my sister kept losing things. Uh, and so it got to a point where I had to hold on to everything. We had to hide the key underneath the, the, the pot, and, you know, just, we would, you know, she would keep losing things. And then when my brother-in-law uh, married my sister, like uh, like a few months later, he we were just talking because he's my best friend, and and we were we talk often about ministry and life. And he said, "Hey, by the way, why does your sister keep losing stuff?" And I said, "You already married her. You cannot divorce. You are a Christian. You know, <laughs> you can't go back. <laughs> you made a covenant vow, promise." And he's like, "What?" And then and then I realized my wife Virginia, uh, she might be watching this, but she would testify to this that she also loses a lot of things as well. <laughs> and so I bought her this like. Uh, thing where it's like a device that um that you can like you can push a button and, and kind of notify notify notifies you where it, where it's at and then she lost that device and so <laughs> it's uh, uh it's uh, i can't get away from people that keep losing things and stuff but you know in a real more serious way i think that thing called is it's called the tile right the ring tile or something like that and but listen in this world we can lose a lot of things that's what i'm trying to say People can take away our money, our possessions. People can take away our jobs. Some of you maybe have lost your jobs in the midst of the pandemic. Our securities. We can lose our fame, reputation. We can lose our health. These are very real things that people have lost or you can lose. We can lose our memory. People can even take away your rights, your freedom, your family. You may even lose your very life. Not just people, but the world, this pandemic can really expose us to what we, really truly, what we truly live for, what we truly depended on in life. But you see, the real important, lasting, thing, lasting things that are mentioned, eternal things, faith, salvation, joy in Christ, divine peace, 
that the world can give you, even in the midst of such a season, you can experience peace, even in the midst of tragedy and trauma and hardship. Yes, there's a peace that you can experience, a divine peace, our love for Christ. These things no one can snatch away. That, my friends, is an awesome promise. And the last promise, and more quickly, is this. For those who love Jesus, we know that all things will turn out for the good. All of our spiritual blessings can never be taken away. And lastly, it's going to get better. Another way of saying that, I think I heard uh, someone say this. Uh, I think it was John Piper who said, uh, when he was talking about this passage, he said, the best is yet to come. And I like that. I like that statement. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Romans 8.30, those who he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. And I just zero in that word glorify. The day of ultimate final redemption will come. And I love that. What's the day of redemption? Well, it's a future thing. And it's not to do with the past. It's not looking at the day in which we got redeemed in the sense of you know, giving our lives to Christ is looking to the future again, looking at Christ and what he's going to do in our lives is looking to the day of redemption, utter ultimate redemption, redemption of our souls, redemption of our bodies, redemption of the universe, redemption of everything spiritually, socially, culturally, physically. On the day of redemption, everything broken will be repaired. Every good thing that was lost will be recovered and everything sad will be untrue. One of my favorite parts in the movie, it's an old movie now, is in The Passion of the Christ. I remember when that movie came out, Mel Gibson's movie. Our church went together, a group of us, many of us went to the theater. We just packed that theater out. I sat in a row with a bunch of guys and there were scenes in that movie that was so visibly, so touching that we were emotional but my favorite part was in a scene where jesus is carrying the cross to golgotha and in an alleyway his mother mary sees her son carrying the cross and under the weight of the cross he falls down and as a natural instinct of a mother she runs to her son and she has a flashback of when jesus was a little boy running to her and falling down and she as a mother wanted to comfort her son she runs to jesus And Jesus looks up at Mary and says, See, mother, how I am making all things new. Christ makes all things new. And it will be fully realized come that day of glory. Friends, the the best is yet to come. We're going to be glorified. You know what that means? Uh, The the glorification is another message for another day as well, but it's a... it's a, a thing that says that we're going to, one of the aspects of that is that we're going to receive new and glorified bodies. I'm really excited about that. I hope that in my new and glorified body that I will be six foot five, that my, I will have a lot more hair, that my tongue will have muscles, that my muscles will have muscles, <laughs> you know, that I'll be skinnier. Like I just, I can, I can imagine and and when I share this with friends, they're like, you know, you've got it. You are a bad theologian. You, you don't understand glorification. But I, I just think about, man, Lord, that would be so wonderful, you know. And, you know and, but the whole idea is we're entering into glory in the new and perfected church. And we will receive his full inheritance. No more confusion. No more suffering. No more pain. No more tears. And this is a place where we can experience a, 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 a sample of that in the church. 
We see our Savior face to face as we look upon each other's face. Romans 8.18 says, We consider that the suffering of of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. The best is yet to come. I'll just end with this. As I land the plane, you know, I lived two hours away in Virginia uh, for college, and I would go home, and, and I, you know, my mom is a wonderful cook, and, I, I, and mom, I said, Mom, I'm coming home for the weekend, and I would drive two hours, and, and my mom was so, because she loves her son, she was so excited. And my mom, uh, it just was, she would, you know, leave the dry cleaning business early and leave my dad to close up shop, and she would get home early, and she would start to cook uh, just for me. And all you mothers, you know how just you're, you love your kids. And so I would get home, and as soon as I got home, I could smell the, the cooking that my mom was, you know, doing in the kitchen. And, and as I got into the kitchen, my mom would just hug me. She would, sit down, sit down, Justin. And she would bring out um, this spicy rice cakes, you know. And, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, these things. Um, it's, in Korean, it's called tteokbokki. And I was like, oh, I love my mom's tteokbokki. so good. As I'm eating that, she's like, oh, Justin, just wait, just wait. And then she'd bring out my second favorite dish. It was this, uh, these, uh, um, just this noodles that she would make. You know, I forgot what it's called, but it was so good. And then she would say, Justin, the, the better thing is coming. The better thing is coming. And she would say, she'd bring this Korean, like, garbi, like, meat stuff. I'm getting hungry. I don't know about you guys. And she'd bring that. And she would always say, the best thing is coming. And you know, and, and I just keep, keep thinking about that. And I think, oh, my Lord, you're bringing better things. And, and you might say, there are some good things in life right now. Yes. I mean, like, I think about the best experiences of life. On the, my wedding day at the service, I mean, I, one of the happiest days was when, when those double doors opened. And I saw my beautiful bride, Virginia, coming in. And then I saw her dad. But I saw her. And I was like, oh, my and when my kids, each one of them, was born, I mean, it's just, there's nothing like it. And I have had the privilege of going to some beautiful places, Hawaii or Banff or you know, the Canadian Rocky Mountains or some beautiful places where I live, Laguna Beach. is amazing. Crystal Cove, it's amazing places. And, and yet, all, you think, worshiping here together, it's great, it's sweet. To be in the presence of one another and to be in the, the church of God's great, but you just wait and see because the best is still yet to come. You got to see that. And as you have that vision in mind, you remember the promises of God, that will sometimes help you through the hard and difficult moments of life. You got to hold on to the promises. The best is yet to come. And you think maybe worshiping God right now is great. Being in His presence is great, but you see, Indeed, the best is yet to come. But you got to realize, as I close here, that, that these promises are not for everyone. So we have to love people and then reach out. As we gather, you do have to be sent out. I think in the Bible, anytime a, a person encounters God in a real way, God sends them out like Abraham was, Abram in Genesis 12 or Moses in the burning bush, God calls them and experiences, they experience God, and then they're sent out. And we're called to send, be out in the world, to love people, reach out. See, these promises to love God and to know uh, that all things are forever ours and that all things work for the good and all these things are not for everyone. In other words, if you do not know Jesus, 
You cannot claim these promises. They are not to be yours. You can't claim claim them. If you don't love God and have been called according to His purpose, which is receiving His love and grace through faith in Christ, if you are not, the word in the church that we use is if you are not saved by grace, by faith in Christ, which is God's desire for people, you cannot claim these promises. These promises are not for you. All things will not work for good for you. Your good things you have will be taken away from you. And the best is not yet to come, but rather the worst. Mainly, eternal separation from the king of love. So we need to love God. If you want to, I would encourage you to give your life to Christ. Give your life to Christ today. Don't delay. Give your life to Christ today. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, Jesus says. To this end, let me encourage you, remind you, there must be a response to this message. Indeed, all things were for good. All things were for the good. And for the harvest, this should be for those of you who are members of Harvest, this should be a mighty battle cry. Should be, shouldn't it be? A mighty battle cry. If all things work for my good, then I cannot, I think about how we cannot ultimately be defeated in the cause of Christ. It's a call to go to hard places, to do hard things, to sacrifice, to take risks, to live radically with reckless abandonment in Christ. It's a call to spend yourself, your one life that God has given to you for Christ and his kingdom. This should encourage you and strengthen you. We named our son Maximus. Some of you might be wondering. It's because um, I love the movie Gladiator. And secondly, because um, we wanted to max out for God. That was our, that's our vision as a family. We have a vision statement as a family. To go all in and to go all out and to maximize our lives to expand his kingdom, to max out. And that's the calling and the challenge that I want to leave you with as you claim these promises for yourselves. Let me pray. Father, oh, thank you so much for the gathering, the corporate gathering of your church. I pray for a, a blessing, blessing upon blessing upon Harvest Community Church. I pray, Lord, um, for the pastors here, for Pastor Dave, Pastor Stan, and Pastor Frank, I am just a visitor, a friend. But it's the pastors here, along with the elders and the deacons, that are really in the trenches here, serving. And I pray, Lord God, that that culture of service and sacrifice would permeate to the rest of the people here at this church. I believe that the best is yet to come, not just for all that are in Christ, but for this church, for the last 20-some years since the church has been planted, gosh, Lord, I've heard and I've seen with my own eyes the fruit and such wonderful things that you have done in this church. But I think there's best, the best is still yet to come. And that through this church, Lord God, in and through this church, you're going to do even greater things, more than um, anybody had, would ever have imagined, Lord God. Oh, Lord. I pray indeed that you would encourage us and remind us that you are for us and not against us. We pray all this in Christ's name.
Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.